You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show and my other show, Enthusiasts, plus to get the latest interviews, K-pop news, album reviews, and so much more, subscribe to the show's free newsletter at 17karatkpop.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Hi, everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. So much news this month, I tried to categorize it into 10 main topics. So we're just diving right in, in no particular order. Here are the biggest, buzziest news topics in the world of K-Pop the past month. Number one, Coachella. Coachella 2023, the lineup has been massive this year. They had DPR Ian and DPR Live, who I was so psyched to watch. So glad they live streamed pretty much everything this year. Loved seeing the Mido era return and be brought to life. Plus, DPR Ian's outfit was great. I love that jacket. And Eric Nam looked pretty fly too. He didn't perform, but he attended. Looked really good. Jackson Wayne was there, the 88 Rising crew, and of course, Blackpink. It never felt like they were timid. From day one, their whole thing has been very bold, fierce, empowered, confident women. But I don't know, something about this Coachella performance felt bolder and more empowered and more confident, less apologetic. Like, now it's almost like they were holding back before. They really have entered this new confidence era, this new IDGAF era, with their off-the-cuff comments on stage, their solos, their stadium-ready performances. That now will literally be in stadiums. They announced the North American Encore shows there. So I just see this as an enormous moment for them. And they really just, wow, impressed me how much more confident they seem. They just start to finish. We're so assured. They just do not look like the Blackpink of 2016. And this year continues to be just so massive for them. They're going to be the first girl group and only the second female behind Taylor Swift to ever headline the Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, seating 65,000 people. Their set was anticipated to bring in the most, or some of the most, livestream viewers with over 250 million people. Mind you, the population of the U.S. is less than 400 million. 250 million watched Blackpink's set list. The U.S. population is not even double that. Lisa was one of the most tweeted about stars of the whole Weekend 1. Presumably Weekend 2 as well, but verified for Weekend 1. It was also just opportune timing because recently it was confirmed that they're the best-selling Korean female act based on total album units in the U.S. in history. I forgot how much the headliners get compared to the other acts at Coachella. Like, they really have, like, a full concert. They performed 18 songs with talk breaks, video interludes, and it was well-spaced out, I thought. With Pink Venom and Kill This Love knocking things out of the park right away. A few more high-energy songs, the Whistle Dance remix. Then in the middle, all four got a solo. Then they came back together after a dance interlude, and they just covered a ton of their hits and some B-sides. It really was just a big... Blackpink Cella title worthy event. Topic two the state of Hallyu, the Korean wave around the world, and how it's not as skyrocketing growth wise as it used to be. The latest annual Korean Foundation report says the number of global Hallyu fans reached 178 million. The equivalent of a country, if Hallyu fans were their own country, that would be the eighth largest in the world. This amount of fans are an 18-fold increase compared to 2012 when they started collecting this data. 
The report may even be an undercount because this is just based on official fan club membership and other verifiable info. And they just included 118 countries in the survey. Obviously still a lot, but not all of them. They also looked at a ton of areas of K-culture. I'll link to the full thing on my site. Interestingly, most Hallyu fans, they reported being in Asia and Oceania still, but the largest growth was in Europe. 37% jump compared to 2021. Another interesting stat I noticed in there was that the amount of fans in Europe of Hallyu is about the same as Vietnam right now. 13.2 or 0.3 million. The largest factors contributing to the growth are cited as fan club membership, which is up 120% compared to 2012, and just post-pandemic, people had new interests they developed, people are more excited than ever to get back offline and go to concerts, fan events, etc., plus the rise of Korean content you can stream and access worldwide. On the other hand, Korean music exports to Southeast Asia in 2022 dropped by 30%. Last year in Indonesia, the amount of K-pop on Spotify charts dropped by 28%. Other trends like that show Afrobeats and Latin music continue to be on the rise in terms of people streaming habits, making K-pop relatively not as thriving, not as on top as it once was. Which Mr. Bang of HYBE, big hit labels, etc., he has expressed concern about that. We talked about this in some previous episodes of the show, more about the economics of HYBE right now in the episodes like HYBE's and Lows, other ones with HYBE in the title, NCT Tokyo, that episode also talks about HYBE's financial worldview right now. But anyway, Mr. Bang continues to bang the drum about this as a big issue to address the relative downturn in K-pop's growth. Now, it's still super on top, it's just the acceleration of the growth is not what it once was. There's that interesting summary of the simultaneous trends being popular and not as popular as some would hope, like Mr. Bang, with the IFPI data from last year. Looking at the most streamed and bought albums worldwide, no K-pop is on the top 10 for that list of most streamed worldwide. But in pure album sales, K-pop dominates the chart. TXT, Seventeen, Stray Kids, Blackpink, N-Hyphen. The only non-K-pop in the top 10 of that chart, Taylor Swift and Jay Chow. Mr. Bang has a big, really interesting Billboard cover story, and I have the key takeaways for you. First of all, he said, quote, There was quite a bit of backlash coming from inside of our company, so that was the more challenging part for me, unquote, when he was talking about initial opposition to his idea to team up, and apparently the Hybe SM deal, though it had been floated since 2018, really came into full picture like, oh my gosh, this is legit possible, while he was securing that massive deal acquiring the hip-hop label Quality Control. So Mr. Bang was in a state of meeting with U.S. partners during the days, talking to his South Korean partners at night. Business was non-stop. His outreach was just 24-7. There is apparently an official Quality Control and HYBE WhatsApp group chat. The piece also reveals the first introduction to working together behind the music on production between Mr. Bang and Quality Control's founders was about working on Lil Yachty's album, Let's Start Here. The goal was to make it without a single sample, and he wanted to try that challenge too. He was game. And Mr. Bang is apparently back in the studio these days. At the moment of the press time, he was there advising in Hyphen, TXT, and Anteam. 
Hybe got 87 million from selling their shares in SM. And they apparently withdrew from the bidding process, letting Keiko outbid them the day before Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. When that big bank collapse happened, a lot of people were freaking out. Bad time to invest in anything that day. They sold their shares, pocketed $87 million the day before that happened. Very, very fateful timing. I also find it interesting how he's talked about working with Universal Music Group. He previously seemed to slight or just belittle the thought of really building a close working relationship with Republic Records' U.S. partners. But he sounds like he's very complimentary to Universal Music Group employees by comparison. And they apparently bonded even just over Zoom and might not have really gotten to work together as closely if it weren't for those Zoom sessions, so if it weren't for the pandemic. So, silver linings. He said Hybe does not want to just keep expanding limitlessly. He does keep in mind the overhead costs that come with acquiring more companies. It's not all just more profit. And he said that when considering partnerships, he focuses on if there are already relationships that are good between the artists and management. If there are trusting relationships there, they feel like it's worth investing in too, which I think is a pretty good way to look at the long-term benefits of a partnership that can last. Then he said in terms of gaming, what he considers pretty good, long-lasting intellectual property, plus developing capacity and the ability to scale up using those businesses. He has said he doesn't want to just do in-house distribution. Those partnerships are a worthwhile expense because he thinks Hybe specializes on making the music. Distributing it is a specialty of someone else, so they pass off that task to them. Man, if only more bosses of companies had that view, instead of just Amazonification of everything to just decide you're like the best one to do every single thing. (laughs) He said Hybe is going to keep focus on girl groups and boy groups, so not co-ed groups and not soloists. They think they're best at and most well-suited for groups, same-sex groups. He warned people who want to work for him that working at Hybe is like flying on a rocket, and if you're not along for the high-speed ride, you might fall off that rocket. He also admits sometimes the company culture might not be as friendly as he'd hoped because the workforce keeps changing. It's not just a core group of people, and it's actually rising every year. He said debates about in-house ticketing have been going on since 2018, and they're still bringing that up now and again. Interesting because that was the same year, 2018, when talks of joining forces with SM were also started. He stressed the need for a, quote, sense of urgency, unquote, about expanding monetization options and looking at the downward trends in K-pop sales in some aspects. Apparently, the past three years, K-pop exports have been down. And if we're looking at just 2021 to 2022, the Billboard Hot 100 chart had 53% less K-pop. So Mr. Bang listed a couple of approaches he's taking to this issue. One, more foreign acquisitions. Two, good organizational structure. Three, expand the use of platforms like Weverse, which he's done recently. AKB48 has joined, the first J-pop group to get in on that. That's an interesting new frontier they might be opening up. And it also goes really well with their marketing for AKB48's latest single. Because with the new single, 16 members are a part of that song. And so they're the ones joining Weavers first, not the full group. So when it's your turn to release a song, you can go promote it and meet new fans when it's your turn on Weavers. 
It's also now going to have SM Entertainment artists who had their own thing called Quanya Club that's basically getting shifted into Weverse just sometime before fall. Details not really available. But anyway, so they continue to focus on Weverse, group activities, acquisitions that they think can be long-term, and counteracting what they see as a dip in K-pop's growth. Interestingly, he said he expects HYBE to secure some 360 deals with Japanese artists. 360 deals are like when the record label gets a stake in every revenue stream. All the artist revenue streams, the record label gets a stake in. That 360 deal he expects will go through with their Japanese artists. But for the U.S. artists, he said, quote, we may have to take a different approach, unquote. Lastly, he addressed AI usage. When asked if he fears the misuse of AI tech to profit off of the voices of his stars, he said, quote, Of course, but that doesn't keep us from pursuing it. I believe regulations and institutions must be put in place and social consensus should be made as soon as possible. Rather than keeping AI from writing scripts or not using AI, I believe it is more appropriate to respond to such change in society, unquote. Basically, it sounds like he's saying AI is here, take it or leave it, so we're going to take it and try to minimize the harm, but not just neglect it because we don't have a choice anymore. And they are investing in AI. In the pilot stage right now is what he called Project L, which may have to do with Supertone, a company Hybe acquired that clones voices with the same tone and everything. So it's not just AI in a way, but it's a next level mimicry. This quote really struck me. Quote, I have long doubted that the entities that create and produce music will remain human. I don't know how long human artists can be the only ones to satisfy human needs and human tastes. Unquote. We shall see. But he is very thinking about the future. Very future focused. This statement from Mr. Bang comes at quite an interesting time, since Hybe just released their quarter one financial report for 2023. And they are at records for their company, personal best. Year over year, they've had revenue rise over 44%, and operating profits rise over 41%. The album sales the company had in the first quarter alone, more than four times what it was the same time last year, 9.11 million. Okay, if you want to get really conspiratorial about it, the 911 number you could read into as a bad omen, but I digress. It just continues to interest me that Mr. Bang is so worried when really if you compare K-pop to a ton of other music markets, they're still so leaps and bounds at the top of the pack. They really are thriving in incredible ways. The industry is just super buzzed about. So for it to be in a slump, relatively, that's still more popular than a lot of industries could ever get. So it just is interesting to me that he fears this is a phase when I don't know about that. Topic three is completely different. Let's talk about Reddit and the am I the a-hole conversations. I love the am I the a-hole part of Reddit where people ask if they are the a-hole in the situation. And one guy did about his girl who was a Banyanguk tramp stamp. Basically, he wrote this long rambling post saying my fiance has this tramp stamp of Banyanguk from BAP and I want her to get rid of it before we marry because first of all, it's a tribute to another guy. Two, quote, I view K-pop as a childish thing and expect tweens to be into it, but it makes her happy. So I usually keep my feelings about it to myself, unquote. Maybe he should have kept doing that. And then he went on to suggest that she get a tattoo of him instead. 
Apparently she's ticked off, says no, just leave me be, and is sleeping in her office these days. Okay, I'm very curious what you think. I personally side with his fiance that if she doesn't want to get it removed, leave it alone. And if you feel like you need to control what tattoo she gets or doesn't get, removes or doesn't remove, that's a concerning... I would not be comfortable with someone who felt... I'm not saying break off your engagement, but I wouldn't be... I might go sleep in the office too if someone were to be engaged to me and then say, before we can go through with this, you need to do what I say. That's a red flag if you ask me. But I do kind of love watching the reaction because first of all, people were rightfully angry that he said part of it that made him mad was the K-pop's for kids. So what if you're still in touch with your inner child, first of all? Second of all, K-pop is for every age. How many times do we have to counter the stereotype that it's a bunch of 12-year-olds? So he needs to expand his view about that. And if he's found a way to make peace with her love of K-pop, why not make peace with her ways of showing that love of K-pop via a tattoo? So he said something to the effect of, guys, you'll back me up, right? Like, surely other men in this kind of relationship know where I'm coming from and will come to my defense here. And Reddit was like, nope. Reddit was like, back off, leave her alone. It was quite a self-own moment. He did not get the backup he thought he would. Usually it feels like people who post to am I the a-hole in the first place are looking for someone to clear their conscience. So they often are the a-hole because they're like, people said I am, but are you sure? And they want your second opinion. Well, he got a bit too much of that for what he had hoped. Topic four, switching gears completely again, a bunch of 17 updates because they are in comeback mode and they have just been everywhere lately. They got a limited edition Rolling Stone zine, they've covered more magazines, Vogue Korea, El Korea, Star One, Arena Home Plus. They've done tons of YouTube appearances, other show appearances, the TEO YouTube channel, The Return of Superman, Amazing Saturday. They have some Game Caterers episodes for May 5th, 12th, and 19th. They were back on MTV's Fresh Out. Woozy was on Such Wata. The list goes on and on. Plus, Joshua had a special Apple Music playlist, the home session, their fan meeting in Japan in late May will be available to stream. The content keeps coming. They celebrated the comeback with 17th Street, a cool exhibition for fans during March in Seoul. Joshua has been modeling for NBA Korea's apparel. Mingyu has modeled for Innisfree. FML, their album, has broken records and is now the best-selling album in Hanteo chart history in the first week, earning over 4.55 million copies sold. Plus, the BSS subunit performed at and attended the V-League Awards. Joshua and Hoshi managed to get to Lee Soongi's wedding amid all this other stuff. And Hoshi made time to drop a cover of Hurt Road by Day 6. They have just been everywhere. Love it so much. There are also whispers about a tour in the second half of 2023, so fingers crossed they could start it in July on my birthday. That would be great. Number five, programming, TV, drama, and updates. Apparently, Dick Clark Productions was told to choose between the Billboard Music Awards and the American Music Awards. Penske Media Corps owns Billboard and Dick Clark Productions, so they went with the Billboard Awards, not the AMAs. The BBMAs will now be in November, in the date typically saved for the AMAs. 
A spokesperson for the Media Corporation said, quote, We have offers on both shows from networks and streamers, unquote, and refutes the claim that the ultimatum was issued. But some anonymous insiders say the higher-ups at the company think the AMAs have gotten, in their word, stale. That's their choice of words. So the AMAs are out. ABC reportedly had no idea about this change to the lineup until the public learned in mid-March. And meanwhile, NBC is no longer buddy-buddy with the BBMAs and is planning to put more focus, more resources into the PCAs as like a franchise, the People's Choice Awards. N-Hyphen will be the first animated Baby Beluga underwater K-pop band. They're joining the voice cast of the Baby Shark movie, which is tentatively set to air this holiday season. Baby Shark's big movie is coming to Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon. It's about Baby Shark and family moving to Chomp City, full of sharks. They run into an evil pop starfish, nice, who plans to take the gift of Son away from him. And N-Hyphen will play the K-pop beluga band involved in this story. The star-studded voice cast includes a lot of famous faces, including Ashley Tisdale and Lance Bass. New Jeans member Danielle will voice Ariel in the Korean-dubbed version of the new Little Mermaid movie. Woo-sun from The Rose has a new voice acting gig as well. He will be a part of the animated show coming to Netflix called Gentry Chow vs. The Underworld, also starring Bowen Yang, Lucy Liu, Ellie Wan. New MCs for K-pop music shows include Suliyoon from NMIX on Show Music Core, Unquan from B2B, and Miju on Weekly Idol, and Hyunwan from Monster X with Kim Ji-un on Inky Gayo. Congrats to Billy who just won the first music show with Yunoya on The Show. Ivor also killing it lately in the music show world and are the first ever group to get two perfect all kills for two separate songs in the span of three weeks. New to Disney+, Plus, not just the Road to D-Day Suga documentary, but size concert film Summer Swag 2022. Suga was on The Tonight Show May 1st to perform and talk. BTS won Best Music Video and Best Fan Army at the iHeartRadio Awards. TXT were MTV's Push Artist of the Month for April. Blackpink were one of the final ever guests on Carpool Karaoke, so that's on YouTube now. Lee Geekwon will no longer host Music Plaza, that radio show, citing his busy schedule. And Netflix announced over the next four years, they plan to invest $2.5 billion in South Korean content. Now let's talk about drama with Produce 101. Yeah, it's been a while, but the vote rigging scandal is resurfacing because of a new hire who is an old hire again. P.D. An, who spent time behind bars after his role in manipulating votes on Produce 101, he was found guilty of that, was rehired by Mnet. They also reinstated Idol School's chief producer, Kim Tae-un, who also served time for her role in rigging competitions. So after their sentences, they say they've repented and it's time to give them another chance. Curious what you all think about that. Is that a good thing to do or not worth trusting them again? I personally think I wouldn't hire them back on the exact same show. Maybe I'd give them another chance and hire them again, but in a different capacity. I don't know if I would be comfortable doing this. But then again, they did kind of learn their lesson when it comes to bad press, paying fines, etc. They got backlash for doing this, though, and so they issued an apology letter, quote, to all those who were disappointed with Mnet's hiring, unquote. 
That apology did not say we are withdrawing their reinstatements, but just said, sorry if you don't like this. But then they went on to say it was, quote, an inexcusable wrong decision. The decision to give him a second chance did not meet society's expectations regarding fairness. We humbly accept what we were lacking in relation to the recruitment standards and will promptly supplement the problems revealed this time to prevent similar incidents from recurring, unquote. Again, still no word choice that indicates, yeah, we are officially firing them again. Just we understand this was not a good idea to rehire them. Number six, Japanese girl group Femme, who had this mannequin idol concept, are done. A series of Instagram videos and statements Femme, F-E-M-M, posted basically were in character talking about wrapping up their mission. Full disclosure, I did do an interview with them, so I am prone to like this project they did. Their marketing was all about leaning into stereotypes of being mannequins. So they made it literal, so they were acting like real dolls, real mannequins. They answered interview questions in character. And now, they're parting ways with those characters in that whole story, saying, quote, Looking back, we feel that we have reached our goal of expressing a message from mannequins to the world, unquote. Their mission is officially considered to be fulfilled. So the spy mission, the members in their alter egos, Rai Rai and Lula, their task was officially achieved, basically. So the person who set them out to Earth on this mission to get humans to care about mannequins and dolls and treat them as equals, they basically said, your mission's over. And surprise, Femme the whole time actually stood for Far East Military Mannequin. Quote, these intelligent dolls were forced to perform proxy wars for humans. Rai Rai and Lula were transferred to the present age to change this scenario. Only their memories reached two human girls across time and space. These girls sincerely accepted their motives, fully understood their experiences, and accepted their wish to install Riri and Lula's memory data. It was an action to change the miserable future, not only for dolls, but also for humankind. It was a movement to prevent new discrimination and conflicts. To achieve this, the method chosen by the four was music, which transcends borders and eras, unquote. Page two of the statement from The Syndicate thanked the agents, the fandom, for giving this mission their support and said, don't worry, you'll revisit, you'll meet up again with Riri and Lula in your memories in the future, and you'll see them in their truest form. I had three main reactions to the news of the breakup. One was surprise and sadness, like, oh man, because their music totally slaps. Story premise aside, love it or hate it, the music does what it had to do. Great hyper-pop stuff. Second reaction was, is this a marketing ploy? I'm very curious if they do say surprise, turns out there's another mission in store. I don't think so, but you never know. Whenever an artist says, it's the end of the road for me, I'm retiring, or the band's breaking up, I'm always suspicious. Third thing, this extended dramatic series of statements, wrapping up loose ends in their story, that's what I like to see. I appreciate that, that they didn't just give up and throw their hands up like, eh, we got tired of trying to think of how this ends. We wanted to conclude the lore, giving fans a proper send-off that they deserve for these characters. I appreciate that, but now it just makes me want like a TV show or a movie with Femme's story in it. Maybe the concept will be rebooted with other actors. I don't know, but it was quite an interesting journey to follow. 
Member Emily, who was Riri, but is now just being herself, does plan to pursue a career as a solo artist now. No word on the other member. Number 7. Military Service Evasion Ravi officially fully admitted that he was one of the people suspected of evading military time by faking a diagnosis to have an excused absence. So to get out of military service, people went to this group of brokers to get fake doctor's notes, basically, about epilepsy. Ravi confessed, and he agreed to avoid further negative press for the group VIX. He has left the group, too. He claimed he did this for actually thoughtful reasons, though. He says he was doing it because he felt a responsibility to keep making music to keep his company afloat. He claims he was, quote, the only artist in the company generating profits, unquote, so he felt pressure to at least delay having to do full-time military duty. Now, I'm not sure. I don't have access to internal info or anything. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the biggest earner for that company, but I don't know if I would believe he really is the only one who would turn a profit. Anyway, his apology also says, quote, I think I am a person who is lacking a lot and still has much to learn. I think it is my responsibility to take all the criticism over this incident. The more you scold me, the more I will repent and learn from it. I know very well that my simple words of apology do not make my faults go away. I will continue to learn and work hard so that I can live as a better person by reflecting on this moment without forgetting it, unquote. Number 8. More plans announced for that historic venue in Vegas. Remember I told you about the Sphere in a past episode. A new venue in Vegas cost $2 billion to make, a little more than $2 billion actually, that is offering everything. Surround sound, 4D experiences. So shows that are beyond your average show for sure. 4D shows, surround sound, with the world's largest LED screen, and tons of other effects. You too will make the debut performance there this fall. Well, they recently announced they will also offer movies, making me think of like when you go to Magic Kingdom and you can walk in and watch like a short film as just a daily attraction. They're kind of doing a similar thing. We can watch an hour-ish film in this 4D theater, basically. A 4D theater on steroids, basically. And the first showing will be Postcard from Earth, said to be led by the famous Darren Aronofsky. They apparently have an in-house production team getting ready to release a slate of movies you could walk in and watch. So during the day when there aren't concerts, you could go to the Sphere to watch a film. With tickets starting at 50 bucks, so, well, technically 49 but do with that what you will. Interestingly, the statement announcing the Sphere experiences, as they're calling them, did not mention the previously implied idea of sending Sphere Studios cameras to the ISS, International Space Station. Unclear if that plane is no longer being floated about to go to space, pun intended, but it's odd they didn't mention that as part of their movie-going aspirations anymore. Maybe just omitted from the statement for not seeming to be fully relevant, but a noteworthy omission nonetheless. Would you pay 50 bucks to watch, like, TXT's Music Video World or Espa's or another immersive story in a 4D theater? Let me know what you think. I'll make that the question of the day. Very curious. I only would pay that much for very specific artists I'm a diehard fan of. I wouldn't just casually go because I'm in Vegas. Next topic relates to getting in trouble with the law, but for a very different reason. You may recall, quite a while back on this show, I talked about what happened to Kimberly Chen and the rapper Namewee. 
They got in trouble in China for their song called Fragile, which was a sarcastic apology for hurting Beijing's feelings. Well, that rapper is back in the news and in trouble again. Remember last time that song Fragile really provoked their ire because they made fun of a ton of elements of China's leader's rule and the way he has a personal vendetta against Winnie the Pooh because of memes comparing him. It's a whole thing. But yeah, so they had a Winnie the Pooh in the video, the color pink a lot, a lot of inside joke type stuff dissing the government. Now, Namui is back in the spotlight because the show was banned from Hong Kong. So usually if an artist goes to Hong Kong, they have a bit more freedom to say and do certain things than they do in mainland China. But the Malaysian Rappers World Tour, the Big Bird Tour, was banned from Hong Kong in the wake of his song about quote-unquote fragility of Beijing. He said this hasn't been an issue before, but there have been recent crackdowns in Hong Kong on more freedom-related attempts. There's so much history here we don't have time to get to, and I have talked about it in some past episodes. But the bottom line is, he's very upset and vocal about his show not being allowed there, because he said usually it should be allowed, but sometimes they do make him give them lyrics to review before the show, to approve of the songs. But he's still allowed to perform, and now he's flat out not. He also said, quote, it's not been 50 years yet, unquote, which refers to the Chinese Communist Party promise that Hong Kong could be kind of autonomous for 50 years post-handover from a British colony, from being a British colony. It has not been 50 years, that was just in 97. So he's saying, why are they doing this now? It's against my rights, basically. What's extra interesting to me is that this is the same time other artists of a different kind, other creators, are under fire for owning what's dubbed seditious kids' books. Two men were taken in for questioning over owning books that were viewed as possibly, quote, inciting hatred or contempt, unquote, of the Hong Kong government. They own books from a series called Sheep Village, about sheep protecting their village from wolves. And that has been assumed to be their attempt to analogize Hong Kong defending itself against mainland China. So it's viewed as anti-authority, pro-freedom protesters. And they are charged under quite a broad definition of sedition and possessing seditious material. The case being applied to them, the law being used, is a colonial-era one from 1938. They each got sentenced to 19 months for what is considered a conspiracy to issue the seditious publications, mailing them from the UK. This law is one to keep tabs on because it actually was kind of dormant. It was ignored for decades, but now is being resurrected and reapplied more often. So this super broad sedition law used to restrict what people can read or say, that seems to be newly relevant again. Number 10, tons of company shakeups. So many artists have switched companies or are planning to or have new deals. Just so much happening in the business space with K-pop stars. So I'm going to be really rapid fire here, but here's what's changed. The boy group Vanner will live on because they just signed a three-year deal with Clap Entertainment, KLAP, after they've gotten a new boost in popularity because, spoiler alert, they won the show Peak Time. Kim Jae-joon not only left his one-time agency, but he started a new one with a former Cube Entertainment Veep, No Hyun. The new company is called Encode, I-N-K-O-D-E. The boy band Snooper were together over seven years and now have officially disbanded. 
HUD has accused Keiko of artificially inflating the SM stock price to devalue the offer HUD proposed. And because of that, Keiko is officially confirmed to be under investigation. They were raided by South Korea's Financial Supervisory Service under suspicion of market manipulation. Interesting timing considering their growth in working with North American companies lately. Mask MASC members are now called 7US and signed with PCS Entertainment. In terms of Luna, Madhouse, the company behind Triple S, is rumored to be trying to trademark Odd Eye Circle, the name of a Luna subunit. Meanwhile, under the Art MS label, Heejin, Kimlip, Jinsol, and Cherry may be prepping something, and Chu is signed with ATRP. Victon updates, three left IST Entertainment, Dohanse, Byunchan, and Subin. But they'll still apparently participate as a group, but the statement implies Victon's done. Quote, the remaining three members will continue their careers as soloists and as musical actors, unquote. So they made it sound like the members who left following contract expiration will stay a unit, but the members who stayed will focus on solo stuff. So Victon, as we know it, may not be the same. We'll see. Nam Dohyun from BAE173 has applied for contract suspension from Pocket Doll Studio. The injunction decision about if it's in its favor or not to get out of the contract is set for late May or early June. That's when the court will decide. The only comment the studio has made as a recording time is just confirmation they are in a legal dispute. Daesun from Big Bang and his manager moved to R&D Company. They will work under R&D with a Daesun dedicated group sublabel, basically, D-label, L-A-B-L-E. And Taeyang recently announced he signed with Interscope. Kaiko has a new partnership with Columbia Records and Sony Music, so I've now has a big chance to get a North American promo push. The statement announcing this new partnership implied that in their footsteps will follow other Starship acts getting a promo push in North America, then other subsidiaries under Kaiko. So first I've promo push, then other Starship acts, then IST, Antenna, and EDOM artists. So Woods, IU, possibly what's left of Victon, Monster X, Gravity. Sony's independent distributor, The Orchard, is going to handle the global distribution, and The Orchard actually already had a partnership with Keiko-managed companies like Abyss, home to Bam Bam Sunmi. All the Brave Girls members chose to stay a group, but they've rebranded as BB Girls under Warner Music Korea. Meanwhile, IM from Monsta X signed a 360 deal, a first of its kind for a K-pop star with Sony Music Korea. All the A-Pink members left IST Entertainment, except Jun Unji. They'll apparently still work as a team, but it's another one of those where it's like, well, I don't know how much they're really going to stay a group. But the rest of them did sign together under Che Creative Lab. The AOMG team have a new subsidiary focused on DJ and producer stuff, Solo Beam Records. Jesse joined J Park's newest label, More Vision. Lee Jin-hyuk and Yerin from G-Friend have both recently signed with Bill Entertainment. Alexa has a new contract with Intertwine Music. Former NMIX member Ginny signed with UAP, and she'll be jointly managed by Sublime. Luda from WJSN is set to focus on acting, signing an agreement with IHQ. 
Shelf Remote Tension left Top Media. Ben Yangook joined YY Entertainment. Jane Wanyan's sister was signed to King Khan, which is also under Starship Entertainment. And 5050, the girl group is now all the rage with Cupid's delayed popularity, signed with Warner Music, so now they're label mates in the US with Espa. They're getting some big chart achievements, and that likely sealed the deal. I bet Warner Music was like, we'll consider signing them. And then Cupid really took off, and they said, of course we will. They're now the fourth K-pop girl group ever, just the fourth, to debut in the UK official singles chart. They're also the fastest K-pop group to land on the Hot 100, thanks to Cupid. Meanwhile, a ton of artists, in a very short amount of time relatively, have all announced health-related hiatuses for injuries or illness, Winter from Espa, Arthur from Kingdom, Wu Yun from ATs, Junhoon from Zykers, Peniel, Junhan from Extinary Heroes, Joy from Red Velvet. Plus, artists are catching COVID again. I had a nice break from having to deliver COVID updates to you, but now artists are getting it again. Yuki, Soyu, Jury from Rocket Punch. What is going on the past month? Some rapid fire news to get to because, yes, there's even more happening. Here we go. Strap in, get ready for a wild ride. So much to get through super fast. Here's what else happened the past month in K-pop. Those who enlisted, or are about to, Kai, Jinyun, J-Hope, Sejun from Victon, Own Sun Woo, Don Hun from Very Very, and Jaehyun and Don Sun from In Flying. But welcome back from the military, Taemin and Shonu from Monsta X. For Estella's Beiduhun just got married. Separately, Yukika and MAP6 member Minghyuk got married. So cute. The pictures are gorgeous. The Artist 7 just got married to Lee Dahe. Honey J recently gave birth to her first child. New to Instagram, Doje Jun, the new NCT subunit, some solo Golden Child members, and former Treasure members, Mashiho and Bang Yi Dam. And Zero Base One, an upcoming boy group, broke a record for reaching a million Instagram followers in just six days. By the way, they just announced their fandom name already, The Zeros, spelled like R-O-S-E, which I thought was pretty cute. And in other social media news, Taeyeon joined Weibo. New ad campaigns include Doyeon, now reps, Dolce & Gabbana, Jungkook for Calvin Klein, Jay Park for Sprite, Minhyuk for Monsta X for NFL, The Summer Clothes, Suga is now an official NBA ambassador, RM for Bottega Veneta, Kepler for APOC, with proceeds going to an organization that looks after abandoned cats. New jeans continue to just have so many freaking brand sponsorships. OIOI, Coca-Cola, Stonehenge Jewelry, Dior. Heyrin is now the face of Dior fashion, jewelry, and beauty. Espa, thanks to an invite for the Chopard Global Ambassadorship, are the first K-pop group to be invited to attend the Cannes Film Fest. Dojejun were invited to Japan's largest fashion music fest. IU and Park Jinyun won at the Baxane Arts Awards for TikTok popularity. 8Turn announced their fandom name, The Turning. To celebrate BTS's 10 years, there will be an immersive fan experience and a walkthrough exhibit in LA this summer. Xinhua member Shin Hyesun got his sentence following a drunk driving arrest, six months but suspended for one year probation. So if he behaves on probation, no time locked up. 
Streaming view count milestones all over the place for so many releases. I'll just stick to the biggest milestones. Le Seraphim became million sellers with Unforgiven. Taeyeon surpassed 35 million total SoundCloud streams and 3.5 million TikTok followers. BTS are the first act in Spotify's history to have 10 albums, each over 2 billion streams. 10 albums have gotten over 2 billion streams each. New Jeans became the first artist to get the top three on the Melon monthly chart for three months. And with D-Day, Suga became the first Korean soloist to get multiple simultaneous slots on the UK official albums chart. Jimin has broken a ton of records, so many, including the first Korean soloist to surpass a million album sales in 24 hours, reach number one on the Billboard Top 100, top Spotify's global chart to have a solo song enter the Top 40 as a BTS member. He's the first of them. The soloist with the highest first week Hanteo chart sales. Only K-pop soloist to debut a song in the UK official singles chart top 10. Plus his new album Face is now certified platinum in Japan. He's the first artist inside to have a Korean solo song stay on the Billboard Hot 100 for three weeks in a row and counting. Then it became the first to spend four weeks there in a decade. So it's just, it's nonstop the achievements he's made with that album. Well deserved. Sulhyun from AOA won Best Actress at the LA Web Fest. New Jeans have a new Guinness World Record, fastest K-pop act to reach a billion Spotify streams. The K-pop Broadway show was nominated for three Tonys, Best Choreo, Best Original Score, and Best Costume Design of a Musical. SM Entertainment has now rebranded a patch of land, the Kwanya Forest. Many winners at the Brand Customer Loyalty Awards are exciting, but especially Doyeon and all of NCT 127. Featured on the Gold House Annual A100 list of Most Impactful Asians for 2023, New Jeans and Jackson Wang. Jackson Wang is also having a big year because he attended the Met Gala, as did Blackpink's Ginny in Chanel, of course. Not sure where Rosé was, but she was very appropriate for this year's theme. The last time she went, she was ahead of the pack, so... Speaking of Blackpink, a bit more news about them. They surpassed Justin Bieber, so they officially have the most viewed artist channel in YouTube's history. They also have a new game, the mobile game called Blackpink the Game. Jisoo finally, finally made her long-awaited solo debut and broke so many records we could be here all day listing them. And Lisa got a flower species named after her, officially. This fragrant flower was discovered in Thailand, so a university researcher there named it after her, citing her specifically. So this flower is now called, I apologize for how I'll pronounce this, Fresodilcia lalise, which is, quote, named in honor of Lalisa Manobal, whose motivation has greatly inspired the first author to overcome any obstacles during her PhD study, unquote. Now that's how you pay tribute to an idol. Before you go, your action item slash PSA of the day I have to give is for Libro. Libro Libro.fm has all you need to support independent and local bookstores. Any book you could get on Amazon or a similar site, you might be able to find at a place that could really use that financial support right now. For a limited time, you get a special offer with code CHOOSEINDIE to get a bonus audiobook for free upon sign up for a monthly membership. Independent Bookstore Day was celebrated at the end of April 
roll, but let's keep it going all year round. Support independent bookstores. I love books so much, and the freedom to read is so important to me. Also, again, I will reiterate, please, please, please keep tabs on Pen America and subscribe to their email alerts, because they are always updating about which books are being banned, withdrawn from shelves, because it's just so wrong. Everyone deserves the freedom to read whatever, and it's devastating to think that freedom would be taken away from people. So keep up with Pen America as well as Libro.fm and anywhere else you could find ways to support bookstores and reading. Bye everybody!